0: What have we already been uh, experiencing insofar as repression is concerned? And what will we as black people have to face in the future? Because okay. there are many of us who uh, feel that not only the Republican Party, but the Democratic Party as well is committed to upholding a system of exploitation and racism. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Black and Underground, a podcast where we have conversations with local organizers, and activists about radical topics. My name is Yoseline and I'm a member of Black Lives Matter IE as well as a co-host of the Black and Brown Underground. In this episode, we'll be talking to another member of BLM and his project, Left Out Magazine. Hey Broderick, how are you? Uh, can we start with some pronouns?
1: Hey, uh, thank you for having me. I go by he, him, his pronouns.
0: And how are you today?
1: Uh, I'm doing great, excited to be here.
0: That's good, thank you. Thank you for being here, Roderick is an original member of BLMIE. I have worked with Broderick for many, many years, and uh, I'm excited to have this conversation with him about Left Out Magazine. So Left Out Magazine, uh, per your description, it's a magazine for a new generation of working class, uh, black people, anti-racist activists, and black political thinkers. How else would you describe it?
1: Um, I would describe Left Out Magazine as a way to platform people that are on the ground you know, everyday organizers. Uh, Alex, also a former member of BLMIE, uh, she co-founded Left Out, and, um, you know, when she uh, mentioned bringing me on board, that's what the thing, she wanted to uh, make sure that, you know, it wasn't just, like, blue-check activists that were centered, but, you know, working-class black people.
0: Yeah, so that's, so so. Alex reached out to you to create the magazine, and what did y'all, when you, like, thought about what was going to be in the magazine like how did you think about that like what as far as like the content what's in the magazine so far it's a website right so it's like left is where you could find it yeah. um, but so how did you like just how did you put could come together with the content because I know like you and Alex are Alex is a journalist right yes. and you were kind of you have a little background in journalism too but mostly your thing is like what history and English or how history
1: um, and political science. Um, that's what I have my bachelor's in and then you know I'm going to grad school for African American studies so just that kind of social science area. yeah
0: yeah so with that background and having but having you guys be uh, having that background like what content do you think is important to have in this magazine and what do you have you had so far in the magazine
1: so um, what we have so far is mostly political analysis um, op eds um, they're talking about you know um, I guess popular topics that are within the movement today whether that be abolition, um, reparations, um, surveillance. There's, um, one, uh, there's one article that's actually going to be dropping really soon um, about voting. Um, there, there's, a, there's a powerful piece by the uh, co-found, co-founder of Left Out, uh, Todd St. Hill, About the census and how the census can be racist. So it's um, a lot, it entails a lot of things, but also we we do want to, you know, mix up the media and, you know, there will be poetry um, and visual art and things like that in the magazine. Um, We are on the website right now, but we'll also uh, be um, doing print editions. Uh, So, you know, tap in leftoutmag.com, leftoutmag on Instagram, leftout on Twitter, so yeah, just that's just awesome. Y'all plan
0: on, on having um print. What are your like ro- So you said this so was you, Alex, and then this, I never heard of this Todd person. Mm-hmm. Who else is in it, and like what roles do you have? I know you're editor, right? Mm-hmm. You're one of the editors, so what else roles do you
1: have? Yeah, so the the there's two co founders. It was actually by Alex, who we mentioned earlier, and Todd. Uh, they're both um, Alex is from the IE, but she's in Chicago now, um, and that's how I met her. And you know, Todd and Alex are Chicago-based organizers that felt that um, you know, oftentimes on the left, you know, the black people are studied, they're examined, but they aren't listened to necessarily. And um, you know, they wanted to create a platform to where it was black-led, black-centered, run by black people, where we had a platform and a voice uh, specifically for um, leftist politics.
0: That's interesting, you're saying that, I never thought about it that way, where you're saying um, black people on the left are studied Mm -hmm. and not necessarily listened to. Can you go into that a little bit more?
1: So, you know, as an organizer, um, I've been introduced to a lot of leftist politics and I know um, in most circles it's predominantly white in these leftist organizations Um, and you know, one critique I will have is they will you know, they'll study Huey Newton, they'll study France Fanon and, you know, Claudia Jones, but uh when it comes to black organizers on the ground today, it's kind of um I I it's like a, it's hard to describe to where it's like they're not really listening to us, where it's like, Yeah, we appreciate you being a black leftist but um, you know, it's just like it's difficult. It, yeah, it's
0: kind of like like how we're talking about how they want um they just want us to like endorse or help their campaigns so yeah. necessarily want to actually help us. They just want to make themselves look good, or they want to exactly. work under the guise of helping us, like make it seem like they're helping us. But in reality, they're just helping themselves and, and their campaign and get that money and that endorsement.
1: So. Yeah, like with, um, we, we experience this all the time, mm-hmm. where we get uh, people that want um, Black Lives Matter to stamp it and approve their action, their panel, or whatever, but their politics don't necessarily align with uh, what is going on with Black working class people. And I guess that's what I was trying to say. Um, especially with these orgs, is, um, you know, on paper, they are a um, stand solidarity with black folks. But um, when it's time to, you know, get to work, um, their their words speak louder than their actions. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think uh, what happens, too, is that... So, like, a lot of these organizations that they say that they want to work with us, a lot of them actually... Um, are like heavily involved with politicians um, police or whatever and they think that that's the way to do it is working with them like they think that that's the way to a- a- accomplish change and they want to be in alliance with us but in reality they just want us as another like endorsement or another like um, yeah basically another they think to just help them look good yeah. you know and because in reality they don't want to bring re- uh, about like real change like they want they don't want to like black liberation to be real because then that, it would mean that they, would ha- they wouldn't yeah. no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they would exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't need the, they wouldn't get the funding like, no more. <laughs> like,
1: one example is the DSA. Like, you know, they say Black Lives Matter, but like for our local chapter, I have never seen a black member of the DSA. So, um, it's like, you know, it, uh, black liberation is not just theory. It's like our real life experience.
0: But a lot of people want to keep it in theory to keep that money. So coming back to Left Out magazine, How important is Left Out Magazine to exist? And what are some things uh, in Left Out Magazine that you think are important to uplift and just in general, the importance of black media? Um,
1: When I was asked to join as an editor for Left Out Mag, I felt like immediately yes, because there are really no, um, there are plenty of platforms for black folks that are like culturally relevant However, there's nothing from like a leftist perspective. There's no like respected Black political outlet for like new activists that want to join. It's always like
0: there's Blavity and there's a Huffington Post, the Black Huffington Post. Yeah, and
1: those are liberal. If we're gonna liberal. if we're gonna keep it keep it a buck, like they are, you know, they engage with the political system, and you know, I think for the most part, left out. Is like leftists that are looking to build outside the system. Um, what did you ask again? You said.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I just said. Um, just what is uh, can, like how can how is the import, what is the importance of black media like and and not just not just black media like Blavity and Huffing in the Black Huffington Post where like we just we just said that it's like very uh, liberal. Like, what's the importance of Left Out Magazine in gen- like le- Left Out Magazine specifically? What's the importance of that? And then just black media in general but, like, black media that ties to these radical thoughts that you and Alex and everybody in Left Out is, like, talking about and doing.
1: Yeah, so I the way I view it, um, you know, over the last, since, like, George Floyd in the last few months of organizing, it's been a real shift from, like, Black Lives Matter, like, begging them to see our humanity, to where people are chanting, like, black power in the streets. And I don't think um, that was necessarily the case a few years ago. Um, and there's... Um, a multitude of ways to build black power, and the I view left out as another avenue to you know uplift and build black power um We can't build political thought if there's um no like outlet for political thought to be synthesized and to be like discussed and uh to be developed so um that is why I think left out is important. I think that it would be great to see more. Um, black and brown centered media that is radical because I think like the, our, our motto is like black radical thought is here so you know it's always been here but it's like it will be nice it's nice to have it to where it's um, re- culturally relevant but also like on point with its analysis and it's um, an outlet for and uh, for you know new activists to come to understand um you know the radical black black radical tradition, or uh, you know, for people that are in the struggle for a while to be able to speak on what's going on in their city, yeah, or what what are, what is their town or their community struggling with?
0: Can you like can you kind of address the idea of like black radical thought and kind of why it's radical? Because like this is a discussion that we've had before on the podcast. I've had it with Avery of why why. Why we think liberation is a radical thing, or why people think it that it's a radical thing when it's, when it's just basically like the basics, you know? Can you talk about black radical thought a little bit?
1: So, I think when in the United States, um, politics have been pushed so far to the right that these basic necessities are like, oh, free health care, fighting for free health care um, is radical, when, you know, the most basic. Um, like you know these imperialist countries all over the world have free health care that is not radical Um, I think um, you know we talk about this in the political education class we teach Um, you know Sophia Bukhari made a distinct difference between like wanting equality and wanting liberation equality is like assimilation it's like we want to sit at the table we want a piece of the pie kind of thing and like liberation is self-determination it's emancipation is freedom um, and you know I think black radical thought is along those lines of critically engaging uh, the issues that are oppressing black people yeah it's like how we don't want to seat at the table how how do we get past wanting to sit at the table how do we push ourselves further to like actually have freedom to actually know what it's like to be anywhere in the world and not be worried about my black skin um being a death sentence you know
0: yeah but can you can you explain why we don't want to see the table and why we want to uh build outside of the system because i think people i think like does like like just speaking for myself like in my history as far as like where i came from like in my radical journey or whatever the fuck And I started in feminism and it was white feminism. And my thing was like equality, equality, we want to be treated just like men. And I was just like sexual liberation and show your tits and like it was very basic, like white people shit. It was very basic like that. And it was just like, you know, like being punk, having hairy armpits and not shaving your legs. And I was like, Woo, I'm doing so much. Like look at me. And like, so I came from that, but like, it was, it was a good start for me because like it brought me, you know, to here. And even now, like, I feel like talking to you and like having you in my life has really changed the way I see things too. Cause like, um, I think like everybody's go-to thought is we want a piece of the pie. We want to see the table. We want people always have this thing oh you have to do it from within the system you have to vote for officials and even become an official become whatever and get involved in the local politics in a way where you know that's how you change things and people have that thought and that's their go-to thought and that was my go-to thought too when I first started out but as you as you start seeing things like in a different light and you start seeing why that doesn't work you you see like there's no other way there's no other you can't join the table. It was not, there's no, it's not meant for you because the table was on your back. Like, so, yeah, like, so, ca- <laughs> so, can you explain why that doesn't work too? Like, can you also explain, because I know that's one thing that you and Alice talk about and y'all did, had a panel recently, right? Mm-hmm. And like, can you just go into a little bit, the panel and also like, why we don't want to see the table, why we don't, why it doesn't work? Because I think people really don't understand why we don't want one, you know, why we want, dismantle
1: the system? That's a good question. Um, You know, I think um, wanting to sit at a table is kind of like the same line of thinking of what you mentioned as saying, um, you know, trying to fix the system Mm -hmm. from within. You know, uh, nothing that's broken can fix itself. You know, like, when your car breaks down, does your car fix itself? No. It's like, it has to have someone else fix it. It has Mm -hmm. to be outside of that thing that's broken um, in order to get fixed, right? Right. So I think, um, and also, like, when there's a seat at the table, that means, like, there's never an unlimited amount of seats at the table. You know, we, uh, like you said, the the table was built on our backs. Like, we are the people that, you know, are at the seat of the table and just forced to eat the crumbs that fall off. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we, the need for that is, like, we don't want a seat at the table because it's still these people left out. Yeah, you know, that's still, exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah, yeah, it's like we want to dismantle the table and build a new house that has every room for everybody. You know, for why everyone. is there um, you know, a table at all? You know, that's, yeah, that's, it yeah it's crazy
0: like when so like when I learned I'm gonna talk about communism when I learned about communism uh, like in high school or whatever it was like um, it was like scary right like mm-hmm. scary thing that, like oh my god communism but then I started then I watched Black Power mixtape and I, I, I saw Angela Davis and why she identifies as communist and why then they kicked her out of, of teaching and all these things that happen but like it, communis- communism in theory is like of course black people and oppressed people are gonna like want what? communism, communism yeah, because communism is a, it literally uh, everybody gets an equal amount of the piece of the pie, and I think that's what people are so scared of. They don't they want to hold on to the hope that one day they'll be on top, that one day they'll be Jeff Bezos, that one day they'll be millionaires and billionaires, and they want to hold on to that hope, and they think that if the system is destroyed, then that hope and that dream is gone, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's part of the reason why this whole you know they they tell oh it's, it just work the system, work the system, and because they, they hold on to that hope that one day they'll be able to achieve those things, you know, and, and be able to, I guess, participate in imperialist capitalism.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's facts. Uh, there's like this quote, I know I'm a butcher, but it's like, um, you know, the reason why there isn't like class solidarity is because most poor people think that they're just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. So it's like, mm, damn, yeah, I, I know, I, I know. I butchered that quote. But, <laughs> no, nah, it's um, good. It's a good quote still. It's like, yeah, like a, we are like brainwashed. We're indoctrinated into thinking like communism is bad, yeah. but then they uplift like Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. who was um, anti-capitalist and anti-war. At the end and of his life, yeah, yeah, and it's like we can, we uplift all these black heroes. Like in you know that one week in that one week in February, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it's like we don't like, but we like completely stripped them of like their whole person. And, their like, bel- their true of their, beliefs, yeah. yeah. Of their, like, we did de- them and just make mm-hmm. them like symbolic heroes, martyrs. Yeah, it's yeah. like like oh Angela Davis, Frida Kah-, like Frida Kahlo for sure was is a one. communist. Was communist all the way. She and hated she, the U.S. Yeah, so Yeah, and like, but. You know, I I remember, like, I taught at this elementary school, like, after school program. And uh, one thing, like, I wanted to make sure, because it was, like, all black and brown kids, was, like, every every week, like, we brought up, like, black people and brown people that weren't in the, um, you know, that weren't in the history books. And everybody knew who Frida Kahlo was. They were like, oh, she did self portraits. She did this and she did that. And but no it was need like. Politics. But they don't. I was like, do you guys know that, you know, she was, like, she was a, radical she like, was
0: a bi-radical yeah she was a queer radical disabled woman yeah
1: like did you know she like a lot of people didn't even know she was wheelchair bound or bed bound yeah and it's like they completely like
0: romanticize her yeah and, Yeah. It, doesn't it piss you off that like Frida Kahlo and like Angela Davis they're like on t-shirts and buttons and yeah, sold on che. Etsy and Chad too <laughs> sold on sold, 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 yeah on che would and,
1: burn the factory yeah, that he, made <laughs> that, that shirt down yeah. like come on man that's yeah. crazy you make, like,
0: your like, make your own shirt make your own way
1: yeah straight up like um
0: no, i think
1: i think also like kind of just the, i wanted to bring it back to left out real quick yeah of course. it's like we kind of like i think black people black figures black political leaders in general like they're depoliticized like they take away the like the militant stances they took um you know muhammad ali for example is seen as his hero but it was like why was he he was like taking that Strong anti-war stance. He did, yeah. You know, it's he was um, an activist, like, yeah. And it's Nita like Simone
0: too. Simone. Simone, man, dude. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm I just loving Simone. <laughs> but um, I, like, okay, continue. I'll talk about Simone. Right okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's just like this. Like, we whitewash these heroes, and then like, oh, they wanted equal rights. They wanted like they didn't want liberation they weren't talking about dismantling the system and they weren't critiquing capitalism C- capitalism is bad they were brainwashed by the soviet union yeah um and that and it's funny how they all, they always bring it back like these people were like agents like um you know the black panther party where they were like these are agents of Mao Ma Tse, Mao Tse-Sung. and it's like well Maybe it's because they were able to critically think about what he was talking about and, like, they agreed with it. And yeah. they didn't agree with um, America's the best, America's the strongest when, like, the same president is calling, the, like, using, calling people niggers and having Crazy. the National Guard called in and killing people yeah. for, at protests. like And it's, like, the same thing over and over again. I'm yeah. kind of rambling,
0: No, it's okay. I, I'm just going to bring it back a little bit to Denise Mo- Simona and the the de- 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 Fuck. Fuck. When you, yeah, yeah, but, yeah I, I you know <laughs> about. But they take like when they they, they take a, a a person in history and they like paint them as this like even even Rosa Parks was it that us and they paint her as this like, you know. But um, with Nina Simone, like um, I remember when I watched a documentary Nina Simone. First of all, she was punk like so punk because, she she had like uh it wasn't like a song but it was like she like an intro and she would be like uh talking to the crowd and she'd be like like talking to them and they'd be like to talk about like ivory and white and she'd be like are you ready to break white things are you ready to break the white things and she would like say like just radical super radical punk shit like in her in her music in her concerts and she and then she she like walked up to mlk um when they were alive together at one point and she told him and she looked him in the, in the face and she's like i am not nonviolent," and she told him that like to his face and he just he said that he just giggled and I was like, it's okay. You don't have to be non uh, nonviolent like me. And she was like, I just want you to know that. And she was like, so like strong and
1: and, to, and I, I don't, I don't want to cut you off. For real quick. It's like even Martin Luther King wasn't nonviolent. He he had a yeah. He kept it on him at all times.
0: It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did. He, he <laughs> no, but and I think this is one thing that people do not fucking understand that. That him being nonviolent for a moment in time or showcasing that or, or emphasizing that at one point, it was strategic. Bruh, it was strategic. Like the reason why he emphasized that at one point was to showcase how disgusting like, white people were and how horrible they treated black people and, like, that was on news and, like, people all over the world, you know, saw that and were disgusted, like, damn, look at the U.S., you know? Like, people forget that Nazi Germany, uh, like, ideas came from the U.S. Yeah. Like, they forget that and were painted as, like, so progressive and things like that. But even, like I said, his his nonviolence was strategic. It was to showcase, you know, how, like, horrible white people were, basically, to black people. But then, like, uh, Stokely, Kwame... Later on, said like uh, nonviolence doesn't work because your opponent has to has to have a conscience, and, yeah. and in the United States, white Americans just don't have one. No. Um, but and yeah, just you know,
1: I would even say like that's kind of like led to like how now, you know, like because he did that, like he said to appeal to like people's moral character, mm-hmm. right, and like yeah. to appeal, like to get like an emotional
0: response, response like, right?
1: Oh my but God. then like. We see it now where, you know, black people are being nonviolent matter, and associated, bro? getting murdered. It doesn't matter. And like, um, you know, Lawrence Bender had his hands up asking for a like uh light for a cigarette. He got shot, kicked down the street, and the Britain police officer on shoot you in the face. Yeah. So it's like these yeah. Yeah, how much moral appeal do you want? It's already desensitized that, like these people like it's been a long road where we've we've been seeing black people getting murdered yeah. and killed. Like lynchings were public, you yeah. know, the riots and of uh, and the uprisings of the nineteen sixties were public. You know, mm-hmm. Rodney King was public. Like all these like white people do not care. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> do not give a fuck. Yeah, like I remember we were talking um in class, was that yeah, I think that was class where it was, like, um, we kind of set the bar too low saying, like, Black Lives Matter. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, who are we talking to? I think that was, like, a major error that Martin Luther King was made was, you know, trying to appeal to white people instead of, like, building power within black and brown communities. You feel me? Like, that's kind of, like, where I feel that we're at with our organizing is... Um, You know, we know our lives matter. We've all known our lives matter since the day we were born, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So it's like, who are we talking to when we say black lives matter? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's obvious that the police are not going to stop killing us. The only way we're going to stop getting the police to stop killing us is if we build radical working class centered power for black people Yeah. and build power in order to topple the system. We need to make it to where black people... Like, the police are irrelevant in black communities because they know that we have self-defense programs for our communities. They yeah. need, they know, like, we don't need, like, these racist-ass doctors and medical centers because, you know, organizations are, like the Black Panther Party, like, we have health health clinics that are for black people. For black people, yeah. Yeah, so I think... Yeah, that's like... A, I went off on a tangent, but, That's okay. Yeah, black... We gotta stop... I mean, Black Lives Matter, is a great movement. It radicalized me, but... You know, yeah, six there's... years later, it's like I can see, <laughs> like we. Of course, my life matters. I've always known my life yeah. matters. Like how? How do we? How do we get to past the moment to past asking uh, for our humanity to be seen?
0: We've been asking for the bare minimum basically yeah. this whole time, and and it's just crazy how the bare minimum is seen as this radical thing, but it is the bare minimum, and it, I don't know. It just like I guess it just, it just like blows my mind. I can't even appeal to the morality of my cousin, my white adopted cousin, who is a Trump supporter, who has like, who has the, you know how we got got arrested? Mm -hmm. Um, The day that I was released from, uh, or the the day after we were released from jail, Um, she posted on her story like I was posting things about you know in my story about it and she posted in her story like literally minutes after she watched my story a little picture that said thank you law enforcement and had like the you know the blue the blue black and whatever the fuck and um, I was just like what the fuck like I like addressed her and I'm like bro like really you're not even gonna see if i'm okay and then she told me she was like well personally i'm disgusted by the way that you spoke to the to the cops on in that video
1: and you're not a, but you're not a disgusted by a police officer threatening to shoot an unarmed innocent civilian in no, one, no
0: one no one it's just ridiculous no one talks about
1: everyone is pissed off like even though I, i'm guilty of that like i've been so t- i told you to like you know chill out. <laughs> to, to chill out at <laughs> but it's still like it's I'm like, like i'm so never cute. gonna tell you to stop because it's like it's It's righteous anger, yeah, like you how can you how can you look at someone that's unarmed and like gets shot, kicked down the street, and like, oh yeah, the police officers i back i backed the the place that this person works for one hundred percent,
0: yeah, it's crazy,
1: and it's um, you know, I remember you know our comrade Donovan, he talked about how San Bernardino sheriffs were caught looting. During protests. And (laughs) (laughs) San Francisco sheriffs were caught looting during protests and they got arrested immediately.
0: That's crazy.
1: Officer Babineau, who wanted to murder Lawrence Bender. And disappear him. And disappear him is still working for the police. So that just shows you like.
0: They value property over
1: people. Like the police are not going to. As long as we are interacting with the police, the police are not going to stop killing black people. Period. period. So the only way we can stop that from happening is building power. We have to stop looking outward and start looking inward to our own communities. And abolish the police. Abolish the police. You know, build international solidarity with other people because the, same, like, cause the military is nothing but the international police that are protecting the property mm-hmm. for, um, you know, pe- people, the international interests of capitalists that are here. Yeah. So... Yeah. And fuck the boat. No, fuck, fuck the No, <laughs> <laughs> no
0: nah, uh, nah, for real. we the, you know, that's a good fucking conversation right there. Um I like I think uh, having our voices out especially like with left out mag- magazine with these kind of like topics is like so fucking important even this podcast right mm-hmm. i feel like it's important for us to be having these conversations like even right now as i'm sitting here talking to you even though we're homies and even though we, we didn't be i feel like i'm learning so much just talking to you <laughs> you always like man you always got you got the facts
1: <laughs>
0: no, yeah. no for real so um but yeah thank you for for being on this episode um, we can conclude with that if you're good. Yeah, yeah. that's
1: cool. Yeah. Hey, follow, real quick, follow Left Out Mag on Instagram um, and Left Mag on Twitter. We're Left Out Magazine on Facebook. Uh, yeah, tap in with us. We have a lot of great content coming out. Uh, we're going to be having you know interviews, and you're going to get to know the editors and writers of Left Out Magazine. So tap in.
0: Oh, also check out the website, leftoutmag.com. And then for BLM, you can check out BLMIE.org. You could donate to us via Cash App or Venmo for our food drives and for our community space. And the Venmo and Cash App is BLMIE. Uh, we also have a link for our GoFundMe in our bio. Our Instagram is Black Lives Matter IE. Thank you all for being with us for this episode. Um, I had a great time talking to Broderick. Of course, he's a homie. Um, if you have any questions or anything like that, please leave a comment. And don't forget to subscribe and follow our podcast also to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And I'll see y'all later. Bye.